uh, here with me today. And this is a very unique thing. So uh, for those of you that attend church here regularly, you know that I, I talk about how on, uh, usually on Saturdays, but sometime throughout the week, I'll bring my sermon into an empty auditorium and I preach it. Uh, it just, it's the way I think. It really helps me. And I have, I write out all my sermons. And so it's, it's like word for word type stuff that I don't try to say it word for word and memorize it. But I, I love to go over so I know exactly where I'm going to go and what we're going to do. And yesterday I was here for about four hours uh, doing just that. And uh, then I realized, you know, in the afternoon, man, there's a very good chance we're not going to have church. And I promise you, as soon as I started thinking that, the Lord said, well, Brian, put your notes down and just talk to the church. Just, just chat with them. Just, just open up the Bible and, and talk with them. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think that's a really good idea because I don't like that. That would make me really, really uncomfortable. So then yesterday afternoon, Trinity and I, we, we head off to Harrisonburg, which for those of you who aren't here is about a 45-minute drive so we, we drive to Harrisonburg, do our thing there, and we're heading back. And about halfway back, um, Trinity says, so, Dad, what are, you, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I'm like, oh, what a great daughter. Uh, you know, she really is interested in, in, uh, in what I'm preaching on. So, so we started talking a little bit, and I was asking her questions. And, you know, we chatted for maybe 10, 15 minutes. And then she, she, she finishes by saying this. Man, I, I, I get so much more when we just sit and talk like this than I do, you know, when I, when I sit in church. And, and uh, I, I was like, Trinity, I cannot believe you just said that. Do you know that God has been working on my heart to just simply put my notes away and just take a Bible and just, just talk to the church? And I'm like, will you help me do that? And she's like, sure. But Dad, I got to tell you something. And so please, <laughs> please tell everyone what you had to tell me. <laughs> well, I've been feeling like God really wanted me to ask Dad what he was preaching on. And at first I was like, no, I'm good. We don't need to start that. We'll be here for a while. But he just kept pushing and I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Dad, what are you preaching on? Right. And so yeah. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit was working in my life and I was like, no. And the Holy Spirit was working in her life and she was like, no. And then finally, uh, God got through our thick heads and we began to share. And so that leaves us to, to where we are today. So for those of you who have uh, been joining us the last couple of weeks, we've spent three solid weeks in John chapter 15. And the reason why is because I knew the beginning of the year that God wanted our church to do something um, for him. And yet God so clearly said, stop trying to think you have to do something for me. I want you to be with me. I didn't call you to go out from, from me to do something for me. I called you to be with me. And so it was very clear he took me to John chapter 15 to start the year with this church, with the church. And so we, we've looked at how Jesus is the true vine. We looked at last week how, how the Father is the vine dresser. And this week my, my plan was to talk about what it really means to abide in Christ. I mean, we see that regularly in John 15 where Jesus says, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. And, and so like... We know what, we know he says it, so we know it's important, right? But, and we haven't discussed this. This isn't something we have figured out. So I'm, I'm almost a little bit nervous sometimes about what she's gonna, what she's <laughs> gonna say. Um, but Trinity, if I were to ask you what abide means to you when Jesus says abide in me, what do you think that means? Um, my first thought is live. Live, mm -hmm. so like where, where you abide or where you live. So we, we abide in our home on, on Valleyburg, okay, mm -hmm. so, so we there. Uh, some translations will also use the word remain. So Jesus 
very clearly in John 15 says, abide in me, remain in me. And, and that's where I'd like to go. If you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to join me in John 15. And, and if you don't have a Bible, I'm going to ask if you'd go get one uh, or if you would use one of your devices because I don't have any PowerPoints. I didn't do anything. We're just talking today. I didn't prepare a PowerPoint. I didn't prepare anything to share with you. So I think it's very, very important though for you to be able to see the scriptures uh, that we're going to read. So if I could really encourage you, find a Bible and uh, join us in John chapter 15. And I'm going to read the first six verses and turn what I, what I want you to kind of notice. Uh, as we go through is how how relational these first six verses are and what I mean by that is where Christ is like be in me or I'm in you or there's the separation like apart from me or or without me or, or something like that so we're gonna read the first six verses of John chapter 15 and then pause so it says this I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit so already we've seen uh, every branch in me, right? And then he says, take away. So we have the we have this relation, we have the separation. Verse 3, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Then verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is who bears, that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. So, so we're done. We see, we see in these first six verses that, that Jesus says how important abiding is. Mm -hmm. So it's important to abide in Christ. Yes. What does that mean? Um, I mean, my first thought is to remain faithful. Christ. Okay. So, so in your mind, you're thinking when Jesus says abide in me, what he's saying is stay faithful to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so that, that's a great thought. And I'm sure that many, many people in the world would, would think, and I think it's awesome that we, we want to stay faithful to Christ, but, but these next couple of verses actually give us a little bit better of an understanding because Jesus is actually going to tell us what abiding in him really means. So let's look at verse number seven. He says this, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, I'm going to read that verse again, and I'm going to ask you, like, in this verse, as a 15-year-old as a young lady, what stands out to you in this verse? Okay, so verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. What stands out to you? Definitely asking whatever I wish, and it being done for me. Right, yeah, so whatever I wish, and I get it, right? That's what... Has there ever been something that you have asked the Lord for, something you have wanted, you have asked for, and you haven't received it? Mm -hmm. Yes. What, something like? Um, well, healing someone who's sick. Okay, so, so even healing someone who's sick. And so how does that fit into verse number seven? He says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. I have no idea. Well, I mean, I mean, still, wouldn't, wouldn't you even think, like, would it, would it go into your head that, well, ask whatever I wish, and if, it's, if it lines up with the, the will of the Father, I'll get it? Mm -hmm. That's not what it says, though. Right. It's, it literally says, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So here's, here's where I would, you know, kind of point you, is that what Jesus is not saying, he's not saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. Mm -hmm. No, there's, there's a qualifying statement. It says this, 
if you abide if if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish so it it goes back to i can get whatever i wish for it'll be done unto me if i abide in him right mm -hmm. but we still don't know what that is but we do get this one little glimpse in verse number seven where he doesn't say if you abide in me and i in you now he says if you abide in me and my words abide in you so when you think of the words of Christ or the words of God, what immediately, is there, is there anything that comes to mind, the word of God? The Bible. Oh, the Bible. Okay. So, <clears throat> so what Jesus is saying is if the Bible abides in me, if, if, I, if the Bible abides in me, then I can ask for whatever I want. So like, am I supposed to just memorize scripture so that it stays in my heart? Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, so how do you think most people would dis most the people outside of the world, like not that that don't gather on a Sunday morning for church, that don't don't share their ties and, and care for you know other people within the church, that don't live the you know the the heart uh, the heart cry of, of Christ. What do you think most people think the Bible is? As a rule book. Okay, yeah, that's that's really good. So most people in the world, if you were to talk about the Bible, it's a, it's a rule book. It says you know how you're supposed to live, or, or like maybe even what you're supposed to do and and what you're not supposed to do, mm -hmm. right? Um, is that how you did you did you ever view the Bible like that? Yes. You did. Yes. Okay. Do you still view the Bible like that? No. Why not? Well, just in the past couple of years, I can. I know that I, my relationship with Christ has definitely grown a lot stronger, and I've learned that I don't have to do stuff for God to accept me. I get to do it because He's already accepted me. Hmm. That, that, and that's so powerful, um, because I, I, I don't know about you, and I don't know if, if I ever told you this, and maybe I have, and, and forgive me if I did, but you know, I've, I've seen the acronym for the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, as being basic instructions before leaving earth. Mm -hmm. Well, that, while that's a beautiful acronym, it, it really just kind of relegates the Bible down to just a set of instructions, right? And can I ask you, has, have you ever pulled out a set of instructions and been moved by it? Not really, no. <laughs> no. So I think, I think if you were to go to our basement, um, there's a file cabinet, that little gray file cabinet, right? Mm -hmm. And at the bottom of that is some warranties and some instruction manuals. I, I promise you, I never go down there to that file cabinet unless something goes wrong. Right, um, but the other day we were we had pulled out some stuff from the basement. Remember, we were going through um, those notes. Yeah. That, all right, so we we're going through notes and some of the kids' old stuff, and we had it out on our ping pong table. And and a Trinity found a note. What was, what was that note that you found? I said, Troy, why are you so mean? And I spelled it M E E N, and then I put Love Trinity, and it had hearts all over it. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so she she had written this note to Troy, and we're laughing about that. And and a Troy actually wrote. I think Troy actually wrote her a note. And, Anyways, as we're going through this, like there's there's emotion that's that's being stirred in me, and like I remember taking some stuff up to Jamie who was working in the uh, in the kitchen, and she's like, "Aw, well, you never do that with a rule book, you know? No one ever says, hey, look what this rule book says,' and you go, "Aw, right?" And so so the Bible's not a rule book. I mean, the Bible really is. It's a it's a revelation of God's love. Right? And, and, and I don't want to belabor this point, but if you go all the way back to Genesis and you see God creates the world and man in perfection, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't take long before man ruins that. Genesis 3, you know, man falls, and then immediately God steps in and you see his love at work, 
right? What does he, what does he tell Adam? I think it's Genesis 3.15. He comes to Adam and Eve, and he says that there will be a child that will one day be born of the seed of woman that is, you know what he says it's going to do? Crush the head of the serpent. Crush the head of the serpent. Like, this man, the one who tempted you, we're going we're gonna to take it to him, and, and I am going to provide a way for us to be together. And then you read the rest of the Bible. In fact, I, I heard this quote um, this, this, this week or last week, something about, like, why is the Bible so long? And it's because God is so patient. And the Bible is just a story of his long-suffering. It, it, running from, from, from Noah, who found grace. Noah wasn't this great guy. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. He, I shouldn't say he wasn't a great guy. Noah wasn't selected because he was some great guy. God had grace on him. That's, he selected him so that the seed of woman, would that promise would come true. And then he, he chooses Abraham. Again, this is an idol-worshiping man that God chooses to pour out on Abraham his love. And, and he selects him as the one to whom that child would one day be born. And you go through Jacob, go, go through Isaac and Jacob and the 12 sons that, of Israel. And then yeah, that man Moses that comes to. Moses is pretty cool because not only does he lead God's people out of slavery, and, and not only does he receive the commands of God, the Ten Commandments, and we'll get to that in just a second, but also God tells Moses how, how sinful people can dwell around a holy God, or how I should say, how a holy God would be willing to come dwell among sinful people. God loved his people so much. He wanted to come with them, and so he says to Moses, this is how it's going to happen. And that's where the sacrificial system comes in. It's not about rules. It's about having the presence of a holy God amongst people who do not deserve it. Then he, then he raises up David, uh, a man after God's own heart who turns the hearts of the people to God. And then he, he raises up Solomon who is going to build a temple where God can come permanently dwell in the midst of his people. And then they turn from him and he's got prophets that preach to repent to God. And, and he uses Nebuchadnezzar and, and wicked nations to all to draw peop, his people's heart back to him as he's regularly pursuing his people. And it all culminates in knowing that mankind cannot, cannot get to God no matter how good we are. So what does God do? He saves us. He sends his son. He sends his son. So God comes to us. Is that, is that not a different view of the Bible than being a rule book? I mean, and that's why Jesus says, if my words abide in you, if you begin to understand who God is and how much God loves you, oh, it's going to change. Live there. It's going to change everything about you. And so when Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, we get the first clue of what it really means for this abiding in Christ to take place. We open ourselves up to the word of God. And as we open ourselves up to the word of God, well, we open ourselves up to understanding the love of God, right? And that actually leads us into, um, let's, let's read verses eight and nine. So verse eight, just so you know, it has more to do with fruit. And we're going to talk about that next week. So I'm going to read verses eight and nine and only talk about verse nine with you. Um, so by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to me my disciples. Now verse nine, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Okay. So that first like little puzzle about what does it mean to abide in Christ? His words abide in me. But now he's not saying for something to abide in me. Now he's telling me to abide in something. And what, is he, what does he mention? He says, abide in his love. my love. When you think of the love of Christ, what do you think of? 
Jesus sacrificing himself on the cross. Okay. I, I mean, Jesus himself says no greater love has this than a man lay down his life for his friends, right? So, so the love of Christ, there's, there's no greater display of love than the fact that God sent his son and that Jesus was willing to die for, for sinful men. So what he says, when he says abide in my love, remain in my love, what is so cool to me, Trin, is that, is that God doesn't say, you have to have this love for me. What he's saying is, abide in my love for you. Like, and that, that, starts to, that starts to overwhelm you because I know sometimes I fail to love God the way that I should, but he never fails to love me. So that's, that's where I find that abiding. That's where, that's, where I, that's where I want to live. I don't want to live in how much do I love God. I want to live in how much God loves me. And so, like, are there ever times, Trin, where, um, where you feel like God doesn't love you? Like, what's a, what, something like, it doesn't have to be specific, but something like what? Like when we go through hard times. So when we go through a hard time. We go through a hard time and we feel like we feel this separation from God and we look at him almost with a finger and accuse him of not loving us. And this is, this is where we come back to. This is why he says, abide in my love. And so when we feel separated from God, wondering, does God love us? What should we think of? Um, him sending his son to die on the cross for us. We have to immediately think of his great love for us, his, his great love that was so amazing that he would send his, his son to, to die for us. That, that changes everything. Because I know that there's some of you who are watching, and you spend, whether it's, whether it's some sin, or whether it's, whether it's a struggle, or whether it's, it's a sickness, or for whatever reason, you feel separated from God. And sometimes when you feel separated from God, you just, you don't feel like God loves you. But that's not true. And that's why he calls us, don't, don't think of your love for me because my love for him goes up and down based on my day sometimes and my circumstances. But his love never changes it. And that's the love he calls us to abide in. But then, then he goes on in, in, in the very next verse, and, and this can cause just a little bit of question because in verse number 10, he says, if you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. It's like, so that raises this question, like, so am I supposed to just keep his commandments, and because I keep his commandments, I love him? Is that, I mean, is, isn't that what it says? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But do you know people, I mean, immediately my mind goes to the Pharisees in, in the New Testament. People who, they keep all the commandments, they kept all the commandments of God, right? Like they were, they kept it to the strict, they even went beyond keeping the commandments of God. And what, what Jesus said to them is, like, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. And so it's like when we think of commandments, we sometimes think of something we have to do. But Jesus doesn't think of commandments like that. You know, you remember um, when there's a lawyer that comes to Jesus in Scripture and he basically asks, you know, what is the greatest commandment? What's the greatest law? What, what, what is the number one law? I mean, we've got, uh, there's hundreds of laws in the Old Testament. And what, is, what does Jesus say? Do you remember that? Love the Lord God with all your soul, strength, and mind. Okay, so, so love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And, and then he goes on and he says, you can take all the commandments, all, every commandment, and all that the prophets said, and you could hang it on, on those two things, love God 
and love your neighbor. Like, if that's true, then, then every commandment of God is all about loving God. But man, I don't... You, you, let's just go back to the Ten Commandments. Remember we mentioned Moses' Ten Commandments. So the very first commandment, God says this, you shall have no other gods before me. How does that have anything to do with, with loving God? Is it just because, well, I have, I have to love God more because he commands me to? I have no idea. <laughs> so if, if, if every command of God comes down to, to love, then, then, then here's the cool thing. Um, when God says, I shall have no other gods before me, God knows why you were created. And we were created to give glory to God. And when, when we fulfill what we were created for, we find our lives the most satisfied and joyful that they can be, right? And so when God says, you shall have no other gods before me. It's not about, here's a rule that you have to keep. If you don't do this, I'm going to do this to you. His, his law says, you shall have no other gods before me because I love you. And I know that if you do this, you will find the greatest joy of your life by putting me before everything. And so that even, even that simple command, it's not simple, but even that first command is rooted in, in love, right? Let's take one between man and man. Um, thou shalt not murder. Why, why, how is, is that rooted in love? Or? Doesn't seem like okay, it. Okay, okay, so um, thou shalt not murder, right? Well, so what, is, what, what does God say? Like, is he the one that gets to give life? He gave life, so he's the one that needs to take it, mm -hmm. right? That, is, where does love come in on that? It sounds like another rule, right? Yeah. Well, I've, I'm the one that gave life. I'm the one that gets to take life. But what, what if we thought about it like this, that God doesn't want us to take the life of anyone else because God loves that person. And it is all about his love for that person. And then also his love for me so that I, one, don't feel the guilt of taking someone's life, but also so that I'm not held guilty of taking someone's life and have to then give my own life for it because he loves me. I mean, so, so like every command really come, does come back down to, to how much God loves me. So, so I'm going to read verse 10 in, in a little bit of a different read. You read verse 10 first, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Jesus's words, and I'm going to change it just a, just a little bit. Forgive me, I'm not changing Jesus's words. I'm going to change the verse just a, just a little bit, but, right. but read it. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Stop. So if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. What if mm -hmm. we said this? Since, every, since keeping God's commandments are all about loving the Lord your God, what if we said this? If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you will abide in my love. Mm -hmm. Just as I have loved the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind, and abide in his love. So we, we see, we think keeping commandments is all about having to keep rules when, when what Christ wants us to know is he goes directly to our heart and he says, if you keep my commandments, you will see how much I love you. And as you see how much I love you, you'll abide in that love. It's where you'll stay. Even when my commandments get difficult, even, even what I ask you to do is hard. And we're going to get to that in just a moment when, when God asks Jesus to do something very hard. And he does because he's satisfied in, in the love of, of his father.
So let's, let's get to the end. So verse 11, uh, verse 11 says, these things, so, so everything Jesus has said so far about abiding in, in you, in, in, about, about me abiding in him and him abiding in me, his words abiding in me, me abiding in his love, all of this I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So, so Jesus is saying, all of this is because I want to give you my joy because as I give you my joy, your joy becomes full. Now, go back to the vine and branches that he's talking about. When the vine gives the branches, when the vine fills the branches with so much of itself that that vine has given to the branches and the branches are becoming full, what do you think happens like automatically with that branch? It produces fruit. It bears fruit, right? So, so we stay connected to Jesus and, and we do that by his word in us, not the rules, not the keeping of the rules, but in seeing of his great love as that abides in us. And as, as we then find his love and his word and we then go live in his love and we we even realize that his commandments are all about how much he loves us and we just stay there we find joy just like jesus found joy so i'm gonna be done in just just a few moments but if we go back to the garden of gethsemane right garden of gethsemane so jesus is is in some ways the way i understand it I forget which preacher put it this way, but he talked about how Jesus, the, the gaping, the opening of hell began to, the hell began to open and Jesus saw for the, saw for real what was about to be taking place as he was going to bear the sins of the world and the wrath of, of God against sin would be poured on, on Jesus. And he knew that that separation from the Father that he had never known from eternity past, he had never known separation from the Father, but he knew that was coming. Right? He, he's dri- dripping great sweat drops of blood. And do you remember a part of what Jesus' prayer was? He, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will. Here's be done. So if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Like, if there's a other way, not this. But, but he wasn't talking about the cross. He wasn't, wasn't talking about the physical torment and beating. He was talking about the separation that he would endure for the wrath of the sin of the world he was going to take. And he said, if there's, if there's any other way than drinking this cup, let it pass for me. And he said, but, but not my will, thine be done. Meaning, not what I want, but what you command. And he goes through with it. And later in the New Testament, we read in Hebrews chapter number two, 12, verse number 2. It talks about who Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. It says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame. So Jesus knew in front of him was enduring the cross and despising the shame, but, but there was joy set before him. Like in your mind, Trin, what is the joy that was set before him? Fulfilling the Father's commandments. Good. For, so the joy that Jesus was going after was knowing that I was going to obey the Father's commands and, 
And why do you think it was okay for him to endure the cross and, and despise the shame? Like, like, he knows how difficult that's going to be, but why was that okay, knowing joy was on the other side? Because he was fulfilling the Father's commands. <laughs> he was fulfilling the Father's commands, and every command in the fa from the Father is rooted in love. And so even though Jesus knew that the Father was, was sending him to the cross, and he knew that the, the Father was, was going to turn his back so that he could then turn to us, right? Jesus said, I'll, I'll endure the cross and I'll, I'll despise the shame because I know the joy that's going to come from doing your will and, and your will is all about how much you love me and I know I will abide in your love. And so he received joy, right? Jesus mm -hmm. received joy from doing that. What, is, what does John 15 say? That my joy will be, your joy. Will be in you so that your joy will be full. Like, so Jesus found great joy in doing the Father's commands and that that Father's command took him to the cross so that he could bring salvation to us. And he brings that joy to us and says, I found such great joy in fulfilling my Father's commands. And now I'm giving you that joy. So I hope that you find great joy in fulfilling your Father's commands. Because as you fill his commands, you will find that every command is rooted in his love for you. And it's love that is revealed in the word of God that shows you how much he loved you. When I, when I read that, I'm like, wow. Because now it's like abiding in Christ is really allowing the word of God to abide in me. And so then, then, then becomes the, the question like, how, how much do I, do I let the word of God abide in me? You know, like, I, I, know, that, I know some people and, um, man, I know there were, there were definitely times in my life where it was, it was all about checking a box. Like, I'm going to read the Bible because I, I have to. I'm going to hit this box. And, and I'm, but man, what if, what if we read the Bible? So that we would, and we would read it until we, we saw God's love revealed to us. And, and then as, as that love was revealed to us, we're drawn to him. And, and we know that even when he commands us to do something, like, right? Like, so we prayed over there before we got started today. Lord, this is really not something I'm comfortable doing, something I want to do. But I know if you've commanded us to do it, that there is, your love is, is fueling this right now, right? And, and then I'm, I'm going to close with this. And you'll have, to, you'll have to read two passages of Scripture on your own, and I would beg you to, uh, before maybe before you as a family leave, maybe say, hey, let's read these two passages the pastor's talking about. But First John chapter number 4, uh, starting in verse number 7, it talks about love. And it, says, and it says, this is love. Not that we loved God. No, no, love is all about how God loved us. Like, that's what love is. And, and then in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, so again, this is, that's probably, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 is probably not something that if you read it, you're going to get it the first time. You may have to read it a couple of times, but basically the, if I could paraphrase it, it basically says in the, rooted in the Godhead, in, in the divine power of God is everything we need for life and godliness or to live a godly life. And, and we receive everything we need through the knowledge. And, and where do we find the knowledge of God? But in, in the word of God, right? We just talked about that. We receive through the, the knowledge of God and through the precious promises, the, the, the great promises of God. We, we receive everything we need through the promises of God, through the, through the word of God. And then it's, it says this, and forgive me, I can't remember the exact wording, but it talks about us becoming partakers of the divine nature. So again, think of, think of that vine and, and that branch. As, as we are open 
to, as we, are, as we are abiding in Christ, we are actually receiving the divine nature of Christ into our branches. His joy will be our joy, right? And so, man, is that just amazing that we, as we abide in Christ, he changes us from the inside out. We get a new heart. We have a new life. Maybe things look the same. Maybe they look different. But we definitely have a different reason. And it's all about the love of God. And, uh, man, it was, it was powerful. So, I guess, abiding in Christ, and, and if I could just say it, put a so what on it. So open up this Bible and begin reading it as a revelation of God's love for you. And, and as, God, as God's commands come to you, understand that every command is rooted in his love for you. And as you follow his commands, the love for you will begin to be revealed, which will only cause you to love him more and truly abide in his love. Next week, we'll, we'll close, probably close John 15 as we talk about um, the spiritual fruit. So, Trina, I'm going to ask you to, if you'd close us in prayer. And uh, church family, if there's anything that, that we could do for you, uh, please let us know. I love you. I, I miss being together with you. I truly, truly pray uh, that, that we, are, we are a church, that we are Christians who abide in Christ. We allow the word of God to abide in us as we open it and receive it. As we keep his commands, knowing every command is rooted in, in his love. And as we do, we receive the divine nature, the true joy of Jesus for ourselves. It's awesome. Would you pray for us? God, just thank you for this message today. Thank you that we get to learn about you like this, Lord. Thank you for sacrificing yourself and showing us what love is. Thank you that we have the chance to abide in your love and receive your joy, God. Just Thank you so much, and just help us to remember this throughout the week so that it just changes us completely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, and I hope, Mount Carmel, I hope you have a, a wonderful week. And again, if, if you have any issue, issues with the snow or if there's anything that, uh, that you need help with, uh, please go. Please uh, let us know, and uh, let's be in prayer for one another. If there's, if there's some way we can help, let us know. Otherwise, we want to continue to pray together with you for God's will to be done. Have a very